the supercontinent that was known as Pangaea began to break apart during the early Jurassic Epoch about 201 million to 174 million years ago. This movement would effectively balance the Earth and eventually form the modern continents that we know today, while also splitting up the Pacific Ocean to include the now Atlantic and Indian Oceans. Hi, I'm Chris May, host of This Day in Weather History, a podcast from the Weather Network in Canada. I love talking about this stuff, earth science, atmospheric science, and you're legit the only ones who will actually listen to me talk about this, so I gotta thank you up front. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, in the Atlantic Ocean off the south coast of Newfoundland, along what is termed the Laurentian Slope Seismic Zone, a magnitude 7.2 earthquake shook up the island province and exacted a follow-up tsunami. The full story starts now on this day in weather history. All right, first of all, let me go back. It was not an island province at the time, so I was getting ahead of myself. The year was 1929, and the Dominion of Newfoundland was its own country in eastern North America at the time. I called it the island province, so you would recognize it. It is today, of course, the modern Canadian province of Newfoundland and Labrador, but that actually didn't come about officially until 1949 when it was named the 10th and final province in the country. So, the Dominion of Newfoundland was the epicenter of a deadly and destructive earthquake that still figuratively resonates today among the locals. It went by a number of different names. The Grand Banks Earthquake, the Laurentian Slope Earthquake, and the South Shore Disaster. It hit right at dinner time for most people at 5.02pm on November 18th, this day in weather history. It registered as a magnitude 7.2 with a maximum intensity level of 6 or classified strong tremor. The earthquake's epicenter was located on the edge of the Grand Banks of Newfoundland, about 400 kilometers or 250 miles south of the island. It was felt as far away as New York City and Montreal. But the quake on its own was almost not even headline worthy. It's what resulted from it that made it as jaw-dropping of a story as it is. The quake fell along two faults, 250 kilometers or 160 miles south of the Buren Peninsula and triggered a large submarine landslide displacing a massive 200 cubic kilometers or 48 cubic miles of earth. Remember Pangaea off the top? Yeah, this is the earth still evolving because it's never really ever over. So you're probably thinking, whew, underwater landslide, well that's good news. No harm there, right? Not exactly. Newfoundland is a land known for suffering some of the strongest and most devastating windstorms. So when it came to communication lines, they were buried underwater. This earthquake that triggered the submarine landslides took out 12 transatlantic telegraph cables and that massive displacement of earth I just mentioned. It led to a tsunami that arrived in three waves this situation was spiraling downward and fast. This was Canada's largest submarine landslide ever recorded, up to 500 times the size of the 1894 saint Alban subaerial slide. And the tsunami it was responsible for was no slouch either. The tsunami waves reached along the Buren Peninsula shores at heights of 3 to 8 meters. That's anywhere from 10 to just over 26 meters. Feet and a run-up of 13 meters. That's 43 feet of run-up. 
It destroyed many coastal communities on the peninsula, taking the lives of at least 27 people while also leaving an additional 1,000 or more homeless. After the earthquake, it took two hours and 23 minutes for the tsunami to eventually strike Buren, Newfoundland, 340 kilometers or 210 miles from the epicenter, and then two hours later in Bermuda, which is almost 1,500 kilometers away and basically 900 miles away. Tsunamis can travel at incredible speeds, and that is why they take people by surprise. One second, you're looking at what might be the night coming on fast, and the next, everything is gone. They are a powerful phenomenon and have very fast travel times. For instance, for these tsunami waves to reach Bermuda in only two hours after beating up the Buren, it would have traveled at a mean speed of around 700 kilometers per hour. But... Then it swept across the rest of the ocean as far away as the Azores, part of Portugal, four hours later. And for that to happen, it would have had to travel at a mean speed of about 630 kilometers per hour. That is a rocket. This is why the story is remembered today, this day in weather history. Tomorrow is November 19th, and it was on this day in weather history when, back in 2008, more than 1,500 cars and trucks were stranded overnight on the Trans-Canada Highway near the Cabaquid Pass in Nova Scotia. At this time of year, we are still more than a month away from the official start of winter. So these fall storms are therefore stories that need to be further examined. And we will do just that tomorrow on This Day in Weather History with me, your host, Chris May.